Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Girlfriend's Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Ellie. And I'm your host, Tati. Thank you guys for joining us on another episode of Girlfriend's Guide Podcast. This episode is going to be a great episode. I always say it's going to be a great episode whenever we have a guest that's going to be joining us on the podcast. We are so excited that you guys are listening and you're tuning in. Make sure that you guys subscribe, you click that subscribe button, and make sure you guys leave a comment. And today we're just going to really just dive into it and introduce our guest on this episode. So on this episode, we have our lovely guest, Dr. Yan. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Yan. We're so happy to have you on this episode. Um, like I said, we're going to really jump into it because we, when we met Dr. Yan, we automatically had that vibe. So guys, you know, whenever we have a guest on our episode, our episodes are pretty long. <laughs> so we're not going to waste any time. We're just going to dive into our episode. We're going to have Dr. Yan introduce herself, let you guys know what she does and what she's going to be talking about on this episode. And I so Dr. Yan, want to say she's also our first guest since we've been virtual. So yes. this is kind of like a, a big deal. This is our it first is. time having someone else since Ellie has moved and we're making this virtual thing work. So like she said, it's going to be a special episode. So Dr. Yen, go right ahead. Hey, everybody. I'm Dr. Sophia Yen. And my mom said, claim all your titles. So ladies, yes. with the title, claim every single title that you have. So I have an MD and an MPH and a little background on me. Grew up in California, Went to Boston, froze my butt off at MIT for four years and was like, no, never again. Came back to California, did UC San Francisco, one of the top medical schools in the world. Then Children's Oakland for pediatrics residency. Back to UC San Francisco to specialize in teenagers. So sex, drugs, rock and roll, a little acne, some sports medicine, not as good at the sports medicine, me, but um, part of adolescent medicine. And then went to Berkeley just to get all the degrees in the Bay Area uh, to get a master's in public health, concentrating in maternal child health, concentrating in obesity because I love food and I totally get that. And then um, came down to Stanford where I'm currently a clinical associate professor in the Department of Pediatrics in the Division of Adolescent Medicine. And then opened Pandia Health, the only doctor-led, the only women-founded and women-led birth control delivery company. And we started with birth control. We just launched acne, and we're going to do menopause by the end of the year. And what we're going to talk about today is um, all sorts of things about your V <laughs> and uh, any questions that may come up, but also really important stuff to know now that uh, Roe has been overturned. Awesome. Very, very accomplished. Thank you. Dr. Yan, I didn't know that you um you have your con you did your concentration in maternal and child health, you said? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Awesome. I also did my MPH and I my concentration was maternal and child health. That is amazing. Yeah. One of the um reasons why, like Ellie said earlier, we vibed so well in our first meeting, we're just like, okay, so She's basically an embodiment of what me and Ellie both mm -hmm. went to school for, both got Together. our master's in. Because like Ellie said, she got her master's in public health. 
as you guys know, I just graduated with um, pediatric nurse practitioner. So she literally, we're just like, oh, this is going to be, because it's like sometimes you have guests and they're representing things, especially in the medical field. If you're not in it, it can be very daunting and hard to mm-hmm. talk about when you don't necessarily know it. So the fact that all three of us are all in healthcare in some sort of way, like Ellie said, it's going to be a long episode, guys. So bear with us, but it's going to be a great one. Yes. So excited. Thank you, Dr. Yan, um, for telling us about yourself and what you do. Um, So we're going to just dive into the episode. And our first question that we have for you is, um, as a woman of color, do you believe that the medical field is suited to treat people specifically for women who look like me and who look like you and women of color? Um, I realized in doing this birth control company and writing thousands of birth control prescriptions and focusing on the side effects that come from it, that what I was taught at UCSF, Stanford, and other academic institutions works great if you're a Caucasian female that wants to bleed every single month. But in speaking with my um, colleagues of color, Asians, Blacks, etc., we're like, that pill doesn't work well. That's the one that we are told by everybody to prescribe. But mm-hmm. I personally have been on the birth control pill for 20, 30 plus years. And every single time I try that pill, I get breakthrough bleeding. So then I took all the birth control pills and ranked them from most likely make you bleed, least likely make you bleed, most likely give you zits, least likely to give you zits, most likely give you munchies, least likely to give you munchies, and then optimized it and was like, why aren't we using this pill that has a touch more um, anti-breakthrough bleeding? And when we use that on everybody, we had a much better retention or people staying on the birth control pill. We had 85% retention at a year versus the standard 55% retention. And so it's really important going forward that we look at research by race as a proxy for genetics. But going forward, if everybody go get their 23 in me, then we could be like, oh, you got this snip? Well, this is the best birth control for you because my kids are half Korean, half Taiwanese. So I don't know, you know what's contributing there. And if they marry a black person or a Latina person, you've got that mix in there. And so it's just nice in the future to have people's genes be like, oh, you got this gene? this is the best birth control for you. But for right now, we're using race as a proxy. And so that's why when people come into our platform, we're like, what do you you know, identify as? And then we'll kind of work on it there. But mainly um, we do have a list of 40 different birth controls. We've trained all of our physicians and then we do a follow-up at 10 weeks and it's like, is everything going good? Oh, you having zits? Let's turn this down. Oh, you haven't breakthrough bleeding? Let's turn this up. And so um, it's really important that we do the research, that enough people of color are represented in the research, because if you don't have enough numbers, then every time you look at it, it's insignificant, not meaning it's not meaningful in this world, just in science. It means we didn't have enough numbers to tell the difference between if there is a real difference. And so we don't want to be doing anything based on no evidence, but we need enough numbers in every category to make it um, to make it real. Speaking of the numbers and the races, that kind of goes into um, the next question. How clinically, like how diverse are these clinical trials? Because like you said, over your time and your experience, you've noticed that this, what we're, you know, promoting to everyone really just works for this one type of person. So would you say that these clinical trials that usually happen for medications don't really include women of color as much as it should? 
Definitely. I absolutely agree. Um, it hasn't even included women. Women has just recently been added. In medicine, the saying is everything is based on a 70 kilo white male. And if you're not that, then this is not how these drugs were tested. And I get it from the scientist's point of view because women have periods, our hormones are going up and down. You could get pregnant and then they could sue you if she gets pregnant while trying your experimental drug. And then what happens? You know, and so you're like, I don't want to deal with any of that. I'm going to deal with somebody who doesn't have hormones, who can't get pregnant, who can't sue me. And so I get that. But we as a society and for our health, we need the data on how does this affect women? How are women differently affected? And we know now, because we know more science than we did back in you know the 50s, that different people with different genes metabolize drugs differently. And what we're seeing, like I mentioned, with birth control is that Asians and Blacks need a touch more less breakthrough, bleeding, stronger kind of stuff. But then um, the interesting thing about birth control pills is they were originally tested in Puerto Rico. So that's why you see I specifically leave out Latina because I don't know how that fits. Because if they were tested in Puerto Rico, then people with that similar genes would be fine with the drug that we're recommending. But we just have to look at it um, that way. And also as an Asian, I don't like being all globbed together because a Filipino is very different from a Tongan, from a Japanese, from a Chinese, from a South Asian, and then Middle Eastern as well. You know, so like just blob us into Asian, then that's a lot of diversity that doesn't belong together and doesn't make sense to put together. Wow, I see. I know with clinical research, there's usually like phase one, two, and three. So with this, has there been a phase three with it? I know that you mentioned follow-ups too. So how long of a window are all the procedure, um, all of the procedures on like until follow-up? Is it like um, three weeks, four weeks? Like how long are the clinical trials? Yeah. So I'm not as familiar with the clinical trial process because I'm not trying to get a drug FDA approved. Mm. The drugs that we use have already been FDA approved and it's aftermarket research that we're doing. And um, it's mainly we are prescribing a birth control pill for all of our patients. If you like the one you're on, we're not going to touch it. We're just going to let you be. Um, But we may give you a little bit of our expertise. So being an adolescent medicine doctor, I know that you should be on 30 micrograms of estrogen until you're 30 for your bone density sake, particularly if you're lactose intolerant or you're just not getting, you know, weight bearing exercise, not getting enough milk, not getting enough vitamin D, which um, darker skin has a hard time getting vitamin D and other people's just most people are avoiding the sun nowadays with COVID and whatnot. We're all indoors. So um, important to know that at Pandia Health, um, if you're new, we think we have the best algorithm to find the best pill with the least amount of side effects, if any, for you. And then everybody that's new or new to making hashtag periods optional, another educational thing we're doing there, um, we'll check in at 10 weeks and we'll be like, how's everything going? You know, any side effects? And then if you have any side effects, we'll move stuff up, move stuff down and see how that goes. And that, but I'd say like 90, 95% of people do great on that first pill that we put them on. And at five, 10%, we have to play with it a little bit. Nice. Okay. So how do I know? So how would Tati or any of our listeners know what birth control is the right one for us? Yes. So, um, 
I would say that um, what we're taught in medical school is you start with this pill, and if people don't do well, then you have a backup pill. But at Pandia Health, we now have this list of 40 different pills. And so we would in general recommend that people start with desogestrel if you're Asian, Black, or somebody who doesn't want to bleed every month. If you're a Caucasian female that wants to bleed every month, you can go with the one that we've all been taught in med school, which is Norgestimate. Um, for those of you who are looking at like drug names, it would be like Esteria, Sprintec, um, those are the Monolina, that, that, there's that. And if you're on that and you're doing great, great. But if you're having breakthrough bleeding, like a lot of us have, I've spoken to other physicians of color personally, as well as for our patients, then desogestrel is the one that we recommend at Pandia Health. And I don't make any money from them. They're all generic. Um, it's just that is the one that you're going to get the best results with the least amount of side effects, with the least amount of breakthrough bleeding. And that generic comes in the name of pre or Enskice, or you can Google it. It's like 90, 95% of birth control pills are generic. So totally fine, all equivalent, have the same exact active ingredients, same exact dosage, just different color pill. One company has blue pills, other pill has green pills, you know, and but in general, interchangeable. I actually have another question that goes on top of that. So I say most of us, if we've ever had a birth control, we don't know the name. So if I was to be like Tati, if you were on a birth like a birth control right now, do you know the name of the birth control? And I know Tati works in healthcare, so does she even remember a name of a birth control? Do you I'm Tati? I'm on birth control right now, and I don't even know what. Um, I was recently asked as I went to urgent care. You know they do meds, and I was like, yeah, birth control. What's the name? I'm like, it starts with an L. L. <laughs> I don't. So know. it's like. A lot of oh, us. Dangerous. There's so many us. L birth controls. There's Lorina, Lutera, Lavora. Like I, I like. I'm on Lavora. Not. I think it sounds very familiar. I think that might be. It. I'm not 100 percent sure though. Yeah. So, so oh, a lot uh, of us wouldn't know the name. So it's just like, what is the best way for us to go to our providers and? get walk out out of out of the office knowing more information because i feel like a lot of providers are like okay you're sexually active or you don't want to um bleed regularly here's a here's a pill so they just give us one with not a lot of information so how can we as women of color walk out of um our uh, physical examination or just a visit knowing that we know what birth control we're on and we know enough about the birth control. Like what are the questions to ask to make sure that we know that we're walking out with enough information? So the beautiful thing now is we all have cell phones. So ladies, everybody take a picture of your birth control pill and get the front and the back of it. And that way, if you have a generic like I do here, then you have all the technical names of the drugs, the dosage of the drug, and then if you get the back of it, then you get the manufacturer. So if you do have a side effect because your body didn't like the green or the pink in this pill, then you'd be like, oh, I don't like this brand by this manufacturer. So that's very helpful. And it, there's nothing wrong with not knowing the exact name, but the benefit of knowing the exact drug, like I have to always Google Lutera versus Lavora, because one of them is 20 micrograms of estrogen and the other is 30 micrograms of estrogen. And as I mentioned before, 30 micrograms good until 30, 
20 micrograms when you're 30 and above for bone density's sake. But if you're a big bone woman who gets a lot of calcium and a lot of exercise, yeah, maybe we put you on a 20 microgram. But the research has shown that if you put somebody on 20 microgram, their bone density is going to be less. And if they fall down the stairs when they're older, they're going to break their wrist. They're going to break their hip. And the people who prescribed it when you were 20 are not necessarily the same doctor that's going to have to deal with you when you have that hip or bone break. And they're not going to realize what they did to you at 20 is affecting you at 30, 40, 50. And so that is the unintended consequences. And so another, I'm all about hashtags, hashtag get the good stuff. You want the best and the brightest providing your healthcare. You don't want the cheapest and the fastest. And that's my kind of take on telemedicine. Telemedicine's cheap, fast, online. That's what we got down. But now it's time for telemedicine 2.0. Hashtag get the good stuff. You want the best and the brightest. And I am the only academic physician and somebody who was willing to take time off from my you know, professor thing and come to the startup world and provide the best possible care. I like to say better than UCSF Stanford care, wherever you have internet and a mailbox. And that's the difference between a doctor-led company then, and no offense, the MBAs out there, MBA-led company, because they're like, let's just give them the one, the best profit. And I'm like, let's give them the one that's going to have the least amount of side effects, not going to mess with their bones, and then they'll be our customer for 30 years. So it's not just the right thing to do. It's also financially better, you know, and that's why we have higher retention than our competitors out there. So um, I babble, but take a picture of your pill, know the name of your pill, know the dosage, and that helps you. In terms of getting the best care possible, you want the best and the brightest doctor. You want somebody who has written 6,000 birth control prescriptions and looked at the side effects and considered it by people of color versus people not of color and not just a grouping, but black versus Asian. And I like to get nitty gritty Taiwanese versus Korean, you know, that kind of thing. And see what is the best possible care. Because most doctors are doing it all, like your OB-GYN, right? Or your family practice or your internal medicine. They're doing COVID, runny nose, you know, ear infection. All I've done for the past six years is birth control. 24-7, writing it, looking at the side effects. And so I see it immediately. Whereas other people do like five a week, you know, and they're not really. And most doctors, like I told you, are being taught start with this birth control pill, have a backup. But our people have a list of 40. And like, if you have this side effect, turn this up. You have this side effect, turn it down. So all the doctors on our platform have been trained how to manage this. And I'm happy to share, um, it was published in the Journal of Adolescent Medicine State of the Art Reviews, my little thing, and it's a Google Sheet. And anybody can be trained in nurse practitioner could come and use it, but anybody can use it. And you guys as lay people can use it as well. So you can um, come to Pandia Health and take advantage of our expert doctors. It's only $25 once a year to use them and unlimited follow-up questions about birth control. So I think this is hashtag the good stuff and the best and the brightest. You literally awesome. like read my mind because I was just thinking like when you were talking like in school I'm like what did I learn about birth control really like and to be honest I, I right now I can't pinpoint anything so it's just kind of like and obviously I haven't um 
practice in the field in this position yet. So obviously over time, knowledge builds. But like you said, you've been doing this for such a long time, specifically focused on this versus me. It's like the runny noses, the ear infections, all of that. So the fact that you mentioned, I was literally going to ask. So for people in the healthcare field who will be prescribing, who want that extra training and knowledge, is there a way that they can become more familiarized with that? So definitely guys will have that um, link somewhere that you guys are able to pull that up. I think that's, like I said, anyone can see it. Anyone can use it. So I think that's great. Um, another thing you mentioned was the 30 micrograms um, up to 30 years old and how when you're older and you fall, that can potentially, you know, really have an effect on you. My next question was, does long-term birth control have negative effects on your body? So number one question we get asked is, does birth control make you sterile? And my joke is, yeah, well, you're taking it. That's why you're taking it to prevent unplanned pregnancy. Mm -hmm. But I think, does it make you permanently not able to have children? And the answer to that is no. And how reversible is it? Very reversible. And the example I give, again, if this helps, is your three weeks on active pills and then one week on sugar pills. But this one week on sugar pills is optional. But the way we know the hormones are out of your body in three days is usually by the third day of this sugar week pill, we all bleed. Yeah. That's because the hormones fell, got washed out of your body, and that's why you bleed. And so as soon as you come off the birth control pill patch ring or the IUD with hormone is taken out of your body or the implant is taken out of your body, in three days, the hormones drop and you bleed. So that stuff is out of your body in three days with the bleed and that's your evidence that it's out of your body. Or you know, if you wanna be anal about it, um, half-life of a drug and then add three more days by seven days is definitely out of your body. So um, it's out of your body in seven days and then you build up that lining and bam, you can get pregnant in two weeks. So um, birth control does not make you sterile uh, except for when you're taking it and that's why you're taking it if you're taking it for that. Um, but number two, with a prolonged estrogen exposure, there is a slight increased risk of breast cancer. However, by being on the birth control pill patch ring or anything that blocks ovulation, which is the egg popping every single month, you decrease your risk of ovarian cancer. Because every time you pop out that egg, and we don't know if it's the popping or the healing or something about the tube and the egg interaction, um, you risk ovarian cancer. Every time you build up that lining in the uterus and you're like, embryo, oh, no embryo, bleed. And then you build it up again, you risk endometrial cancer, cancer of the uterus, because when stuff grows, it can mutate. And that by definition is cancer. And so by when you go on the pill patch ring, um, a lot of them block ovulation. So less egg popping, less ovarian cancer. And the research has shown that if all of us with ovaries went on birth control pill patch ring for five years, we decrease our risk of ovarian cancer by 50%. There is no other way to decrease your risk of ovarian cancer. So whenever I meet somebody with a family history of ovarian cancer, I'm like, you need to go on the pill patch ring at least for five years. Or if they got, if like grandma had ovarian cancer, did grandma go on the birth control pill? You know, had she gone on the pill, maybe she would have had a 50%, you know, lower chance of ovarian cancer. Um, and so 
the point there is that you have a slight increased risk of breast cancer, but the decrease in ovarian, endometrial, and then lastly, colorectal cancer is outweighed by the increase in breast cancer because we have a much more greater risk when you add up these three things than the slight increased risk of breast cancer. And then if you're taking it for birth control and not just um, hashtag periods optional, the benefit of not getting pregnant is much better than that slight increased risk. Um, mm. Would you just follow up question on that? So if someone did have a family history of breast cancer or had breast cancer themselves, would you, is there a birth control that you would recommend more than the other or would you steer away from birth control in general? Yeah, so if you personally have breast cancer, then it depends on what type of breast cancer. Is it hormone sensitive? Is it not hormone sensitive? Um, they've actually shown for people who have the BRCA that it's actually better to be on birth control because it decreases your chance of ovarian cancer and stuff like that. So it just depends. So talk to your oncologist and specialist. I'm not an oncologist there. If you have a family history of breast cancer, that's not a contraindication because um, one in eight women will get it. And a lot of it is not genetic. A lot of it's random mutation. And so just because auntie got it doesn't mean that you have the gene that auntie has because one, she's auntie. But if it's your mom, then there's 50% chance. But if it's auntie, it's like a one in four chance, you know, genetics. Uh, so just that, that's, yeah. Very interesting. I just learned Very. a lot, right? I've never heard that ever. Being a woman, I've never heard that being in the medical field. So there's a lot that I feel like needs to be talked about more, especially within women's health. But like you said, it makes sense. It's women. It makes sense on why these things aren't necessarily more common knowledge compared to other things regarding men's health. So mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I say stop sucking it up that's another hashtag is that we as women are told oh your periods are painful evil and you're missing school it's just what it is suck it up and we're like okay i I have a uterus that's just what it is it's like no if you're missing school or work please see a medical provider we have ways to treat that we have technology we have science we have drugs drugs but um, for anybody who has bad evil periods because that is the number one cause of missed school and work under the age of 25 this is one of your several pandia psa's public service announcements for today um, you can use ibuprofen 600 milligrams three times a day with food if you take it on empty stomach you will get an ulcer three times a day with food for up to five days in a row and that will decrease the amount of blood as well as pain by 30 percent so if you have bad evil periods as soon as you think you're like you know your period's coming tomorrow start today with dinner you know and if it's here then start immediately because once that pain and blood it's harder to put it back in the box than if you cut it before it grows big and a ton of blood. And it's really counterintuitive for a lot of us in medicine because like ibuprofen thins your blood, it makes you bleed more, but it has a mechanism with prostaglandins, which is involved in the uterus and the contraction of vessels and the muscle and the myometrium. And so it relaxes it so it doesn't squeeze out as much blood. Wow, a lot of information. Thank you, Dr. Yan. That's good to know because growing up, I just accepted that, you know, my period is supposed to come every month. It comes with cramps. 
and I just have to deal with it. And I had really bad periods, like really, really bad periods. And I had to go on, I had to take ibuprofen. And if I really had bad cramps, I couldn't go to school. And there were days when I started work, I would have to miss work because it's just that bad. But it was just never like, there's nothing out there for you and you don't know what to do. You just have to accept it. That's what I did. And the most that my doctor gave me was just take this ibuprofen and you should be good to go. So it's just like, as you got older, you try to figure out what works for you. But I know a lot of women, we just come to accept that, you know, this is how it is. This is life. You just have to deal with it until menopause. And I know for myself, I I told Dr. Yeah, I'm like, I hate it. I hate every... I like the option, um, period option that that's my, that's my, that would be my hashtag personally, because for me personally, I'm just like, periods are just, (laughs) periods are the worst. And if you're like me and you're listening, honestly, listen to Dr. Yan and honestly figure out what works for you because you do not need to suffer in your pain and it's just the worst. And you have to understand what really works for you. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, failing ibuprofen, if ibuprofen is not enough, then the next method is hormonal treatment. And you can use the IUD with hormone, not the copper IUD for that. Copper IUD is more blood, more cramps. So you bad, evil, painful period is not the candidate for a copper IUD. But the hormonal IUD, 30% of people that use it have no period and they're like, woohoo. And then the other 70% is lighter. And that's actually an indication for the hormonal IUD, not for birth control, but for people with bad, evil, heavy, painful periods, missing school or work. And then you could also use the implant or you could use the pill, the patch, the ring. I like the pill because there's 40 different pills. And if this pill doesn't work, then I got 39 other ones to play with. And that's part of educating those of us with uteri and also your doctor. So a lot of doctors don't realize that there's eight different progesterones. And if the you try this one and you don't like it, there's seven others that you could try. And that's the difference between knowing about the different progesterones and not knowing about the different progesterones. But I have a TEDx talk. Um, if you guys go to pandiahealth.com forward slash periods optional, it goes over that basically two years after your first period or you can do it earlier if your periods are making you miss work or school. But if it's like just to make life better, you can make hashtag periods optional. You don't need to bleed every month. Bleeding every month is so 2020. Get with the times. It's 2023. You can bleed every three months, every six months, or never. And I, as a woman of color, I, as a doctor, have not bled for the past 13 years as long as I take my pill every single day. And exactly like you, I hate the bleed, so I take my pills religiously. Um, I have a question regarding that. I know, especially culturally, Ellie and I are both Haitian, and just the understanding of periods and health can only go so far, even just for anyone, whether they're from here or not. So a lot of people have the mindset of a period is used to clean you out. A period is used to take all the toxins from your body for that month and release and not having a period is bad. Not having a period, um, obviously what you're pregnant of, that doesn't count, but just generally not having a period is storing all of those things that need to be released and storing those bad things in your body. So for people who have that understanding or were never taught any differently, 
what would you say to those people who just believe if you don't have a period, you're keeping all of this crap in your body and that's not good for your health? Yeah. So I think it's a nice way to make you want to have your bleed, because if that were true, then I would totally want to bleed every month if I needed it to release some toxins. But what people need to realize is the true anatomy and physiology of what's going on here. So every single month, those of us with a uterus, when we hit 100 pounds or 22% body fat and our body's like, ah, you can make babies because that's your purpose in life as an animal, you know, as a, as a, as a creature to reproduce and make more and leave this earth, you know, that's kind of your thing. And so we as creatures want to make babies. And so when you can make babies, uh, your body goes, okay, you got enough nutrition, you could support something here. And then it grows that lining of your uterus. And then it's like embryo, oh, no embryo, bleed. And then the next month it builds it again, embryo, oh, no embryo, bleed. But if we are now in this country um, where we have a ton of nutrition, we get our periods at 12, 12 and a half, some people are getting it at 10, I'm talking to you, Florida, who's banning sex ed till sixth grade, not okay for the 10 year old who gets her period and not, you need to know about your periods before you get them. And sixth grade is too late, way too late. Um, but so anyway, I wander, <laughs> but getting your period from age 12 to 50 every single month, you don't need to build that lining and shed it. Because like I mentioned, every time you build it, you risk cancer. Every time you pop out an egg, you risk cancer. And then there's also colorectal cancer involved as well. And so uh, it's actually more natural to have fewer periods than what we're currently having. We're currently having 350 to 400 periods in our lives. And if you were to go with Dr. Beverly Strassman, wow. who studies the Ogo tribe in Mali now, not like centuries or decades ago, they die at the same time we do 70, 80, not like 30. So we're comparing apples to apples. They have a hundred periods in their lives. We have 350 to 400. And the reason for that part of his nutrition, we get our periods at 12, they get their periods at 16, we get 13 periods a year, they get eight or seven, but more importantly, they have eight or nine children. We have two. How many periods you have when you're pregnant? Zero. And they breastfeed every two to three hours for 12 months. We breastfeed for zero, two, or three months. So 350 to 400 periods over here, a hundred periods over here. We're having enough periods for two or three other women. That's not okay. I hate the blood. I hate the bleeds. I hate the risk of cancer, but mainly the blood, not so into the losing of blood. So um, it, there's no toxins that are released when you have your period. What is released when you have your period is just that buildup of that lining. And when you're on the pill patch ring, it's mimicking pregnancy. And so another kind of visual that I like to have there is when you're building up that lining to catch an embryo builds up to a level 10, rich, thick, full of blood, ready to support something to grow for nine months. But when you're on the pill patch ring, it just goes to level one, two, sits there and you could make it bleed every single month, but why? And so know that the original founders of the birth control pill was three people without uteri. There were two PhDs, the scientists, and then one doctor, Obigain. And he was a devout Catholic, an everyday 7 a.m. Catholic, not a once a week Catholic, but a 7 a.m. Catholic. And he was like, we could get this through the Catholic church. 
if we make the periods come every four weeks, then in the Catholic religion, you're allowed to abstain from sex during your fertile days. And if it's always every four weeks, then you could perfectly practice that practice, which is acceptable by a Catholic church. And so he got it through the nuns. Yay. He got it through the priests. I don't know how. It hit the Pope. The Pope figured it out and he vetoed it. But the other two PhDs that were working on it with him were like, why are you making women bleed every month? It could be every three months. It could be six months. It could be never. And I bet you if somebody with a uterus had been on that team, if I had been on that team, I would be like, give women the choice of three months, six months, or never. And like, oh, no, women can't handle it. You know, we just make them bleed every month. And so Dr. Rock won that argument. And because of that, every, every method since has had that monthly bleeding, except for the IUD and implant where they just can't do that. And now that more people are using the IUD, 40% of Europeans use the IUD versus only four to 10% of the United States, but we're getting bigger as we get more educated, um, then people are getting used to the idea of hashtag periods optional. And so one, you aren't releasing any toxins. You're just releasing that buildup of that lining so that you can dump it and make a new one. But if you're on the pill patch ring, IUD implant or shot, that lining is level one or two and there's nothing you need to dump. And you can dump it every three months, every six months or never. Those of us that are you know, doing hashtag periods optional, inevitably we'll forget to take our pill. Like we go to Vegas or Hawaii, I'm like, ooh, forgot the pills, you know, or time zone or, you know, you get too much fun on your vacation. Yeah. Um, and then you'll bleed. So you'll probably bleed once or twice a year, but you can get to the point where it's so, it's such a different life. You don't have to yeah. always worry about it. Wow. Like the oh, things we don't. Like a fairy tale, but it's real. The things we didn't know, man. The things we didn't know. And I hope the younger generation is educating themselves because I wish I knew this much younger. Very much, very much. <laughs> All right, we're going to segue into our next question. So for those who um, want and are looking for more of a natural birth control, are there any natural birth controls? I would say that if you don't want anything hormonal, then your options are the copper IUD, but know that the two major side effects are more blood, more cramps. So if you're the kind of person who's like, oh, is that blood running down my leg? You, you are a good candidate for this. If you're like me and feel every single cramp and like every drop come out of your vagina and your uterus and whatnot, no, not the copper IUD. If you can't use hormones um, or one, go lesser hormones. Right. So um, the pill, the patch, the ring all have estrogen. And with estrogen comes, um, I mentioned the slight risk of breast cancer, but actually we're now learning that it might be more the progesterone. But with estrogen comes the risk of blood clots. And the risk of blood clots is mainly if you're a smoker and over 35. So me being out of lesson medicine, haven't had to deal with that. But with my company, we're prescribing people up to 50. So that's more of an issue. So if you go progesterone only, you have the IUD with hormone, you have the implant, and you have the shot. The negative on the shot is it gives you the munchies. And so if you're the kind of person who loves French fries and desserts, <clears throat> you're going to gain weight like me. <laughs> but if you're the person who's like, oh, I can do diet soda, I can do celery, and I can do sugar-free gum, and I'll work out a little more, okay, go for it. Um, but if you're not, then know that it gives you that tendency towards weight gain. Um, and then the implant actually beats 
all other methods of birth control, which is like crazy talk to me. It beats vasectomy. Vasectomy is like the gold standard and it beats that. And the IUD with hormone beats tubal ligation, which is the equivalent of vasectomy and those of us with uteri, where you snip, snip, take out a centimeter, burn each side, and you still can get pregnant after that? That tells you how fertile some people are, how much the body really wants to reproduce. But the IUD with hormone beats that. And then no hormone options, always, you know, I like to say condoms plus um, something. Condoms, and I'm looking around because I usually have my condom bag, but unfortunately I don't have it right here right now. Um, But condoms to prevent sexually transmitted infections. And also as a feminist, I don't like to leak sperm for the next 24 hours. It actually messes up the vaginal flora, you know? (laughs) So um, if my partner had to leak my secretions for 24 hours, I'm sure he would make sure that I wore whatever the equivalent was. Um, As a married woman, I carry around this condom bag. I'm like, you think your husband cheats on you or something? And I'm like, no, I just don't like to leak semen for 24 hours. And I don't like my vaginal flora messed up as the Mm -hmm. semen goes in and the semen goes out. Because semen is alkaline. And our vaginas like to be acid. And when they go alkaline, that means something messed up. And either the yeast will take over or the bacterial vaginosis can take over. It just, you know take your sperm with you. And those of the, you with penises, I'm like, you control your sperm. Once it goes in the other person, it's their body, their decision. They're going to make you a baby daddy or not. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, so, of, wow. Men, they have it so easy. They so don't know. Dr. Yan, you probably just shared something that half these men are listening here didn't even know that. Half so, women probably didn't even know half either. these women, because let's be real, a lot of people nowadays are just very reckless, so they're probably just sleeping with whoever. So mm-hmm. now as women, if you're sleeping with multiple men, you're probably just walking around for 24 hours, like you mentioned, with just semen leaking out of you. Yes, yes. Good and to know, guys. A, Good to know. I have a friend that has a product, and she has drip stick, which is basically, you know... Uh, a sponge. You stick it up your vagina and you suck up the semen and you take it out. But I'm like, just condom, take your sperm with you, you know? Um, <laughs> I'm just, I just, <laughs> I, uh, wow, I did not know this is a thing. It's a, it's, yeah, she, you know, obviously she's trying to make um, a business. She, she has a business of it. It's called Awkward Essentials. And I'm like looking around again because I, I have one here. Oh my yeah, gosh. Brilliant on her branding. Um, but I, yeah, it's just basically a sponge on a stick and you stick it up there and you spin it around and you take it out. And um, it decreases your exposure. It decreases vaginal infections because the less sperm that's up yeah. there dripping for 24 hours, the lower the risk of messing up that harmony between the yeast and the bacteria that live in your vagina but i say wow. use a condom have your partner use a condom um and my favorite plug again i don't make money from these people condomdepot.com they have ratings of condoms by the person with the vagina said the person with the penis said and so at our teen clinic at stanford we like to get the best sensation condom because if i give you a good condom then you're most likely going to use it as opposed to a crappy condom that you're not going to very so, very true uh, Fun fact. That's our fun. That'll be our fun fact for this episode. Because I didn't know. I'm sure Tati, you didn't know. Mm-mm. 
Wow. wow. Well, speaking of the men, um, so we know that Pandia Health is centered around women, thank God, because we need it in our health and our bodies and periods and birth and all of that. But we've heard the rumors for a while now that men birth control exists, will come out, blah, blah, blah. As someone who's just in the birth control field, have you heard anything, any thoughts on men birth control? Is it going to be a real thing or are they just trying to get us excited for no reason? Mm. I think it's going to be a real thing, but I think that <clears throat> there's two things. One, every time somebody with a penis ejaculates, 150 million sperm. How many sperm does it take to get pregnant? One, but more like a thousand, a couple, because some might die on the way. But um, if they don't catch all of them, who ends up pregnant? The one with the uterus. So I would be totally happy if the partner uses male birth control, but I would also use the condom because when you add the two together, you can multiply the efficacy and decrease your risk of pregnancy. And then they take their sperm with them and you don't have to worry about it. Um, the other one is there's like these plugs that they can put in the vas deferens. It's like a vasectomy, but temporary. And it like either blocks it so the sperm don't come out or it shreds it as it goes through. And that's kind of cool out there. Um, I Wait, think what it's is that called? Uh, it's it's um, like va- the, the vas deferen blockers. I don't know. It's not out yet, but that's on the way. And um, it's like a gel and they just put in the tube and they block it. And when they want to unblock it, they dissolve the gel. So that's kind of cool. I've always thought that at birth, everybody with um, testicles should just have clips. And then when they want to get, you know, want to be having babies, whatever, then unclip, you know, and that would save the world a ton of unplanned pregnancies. I think so. I hope it comes out. I hope, I think it will, but I just feel like with at least this generation, maybe the Gen Zs and later, are men really going to take this? Especially hearing the side effects that us women go through with certain birth controls because clearly we're not on the right one. But so I feel like it's going to take a while, but I feel like also with companies like yours that are actually tailoring the birth control to the individual, less side effects would come, less complaining. So then- overall the overall look and um stereotypes of birth control will be more positive when it's used the right way so like i said maybe not now but maybe my kids or my grandkids my grandsons will be on birth control and take a step to un against unplanned pregnancy especially the way this country is heading anything we can do to prevent that yeah i do want to continue on the non-hormonal birth control i didn't complete everything sorry (laughs) condoms um spermicide and then there's a new thing called fexi i don't want to plug fexi because it's like three hundred dollars for 12 doses and you have to redose every single time you have sex and i remember back in the day i'd have sex like three times a night and so it'd be like a hundred dollars a night to have sex with fexi it's not much what? better than spermicide and spermicide's like five or ten bucks so i say um if you need to go that route condoms plus spermicide not fexi fexi is crazy expensive and not much better Um, And then you can certainly do fertility awareness methods, but with those methods, like 20, 25% failure, one in four chance of getting pregnant. So if you're using those methods, you need to be open to being pregnant or dealing with the consequences thereof. And exactly as you said, 
um, 26 states, you can't avail yourself an abortion or it's not very easy or yeah, it's just anti-abortion right now. Um, and then make sure everybody with a uterus and without a uterus knows about emergency contraception, know that there's the over the counter, which anybody of any gender can buy, but the another Pandia PSA, please check your body mass index. If your body mass index is 26 or greater and mine's 25. And if I eat some extra dessert or, you know, whatever hits 26, doesn't work so well. If your BMI is 30 or greater, does not work at all. So anybody with a uterus taking emergency contraception over the counter, check your BMI. And then um, for me, my daughter, my friends, everybody on this podcast, anybody listening, <laughs> I would get Ella. Ella's prescription emergency contraception, it works up to a BMI of 35. I'm not paid by these people. I just want to prevent unplanned pregnancy. And during this situation with the Roe v. Wade reversal, and I have two daughters in the house, 16 and 13 years old, if they were ever sexually assaulted, I want them to have the good stuff. Ella, if you have insurance, no copay, no deductible, aka free. Thank you, Obama, Biden, under the Affordable Care Act. Um, otherwise, it's like $45 for Ella, but totally worth it. Um, I got, I always write, we always write in our prescriptions, please give the patient the one with the farthest expiration date. This is for future use. And this one doesn't expire for 18 months. So 45 bucks, 18 months insurance. You can do it amongst friends. You can do it amongst sorority. You could do it on the street. One person per street has a pack of this. And if anybody needs it, you call and you go get it and you go deal with it. But um, you want it ahead of time. And as I like to say with emergency contraception, if the condom pops at 3 a.m., because it happens sometimes, you want the medicine in the person with the uterus's mouth at 310. You don't want to cuddle, snuggle, huddle, wait till the morning after. Though technically you could wait to five days after, but it won't work as well. As soon as that egg has popped out, the chance of it preventing unplanned pregnancy goes down, 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 down. So as soon as the condom pops, take that medicine if you want to prevent unplanned pregnancy. So real quick, sorry, Ellie. Um, you mentioned spermicide. Do you mind going a little bit deeper into that and what that actually is and how does like I know I the name gives me um a feeling of how it works, but for just anyone who just never heard about what is spermicide? Yeah. Now as a doctor and somebody in birth control, I just assume everybody knows what I know. And you're right, not everybody knows what I know. Um, cause they're not in it every day and they, that isn't just their passion preventing unplanned pregnancy, which is my thing. Um, so sperm aside, side means kill and sperm is sperm. As you know, the thing that 50% required to make a baby, you need sperm and you need an egg and the penis ejaculates sperm. And so the spermicide is usually applied on the outside of a condom or just put up into the vagina. And that's why it doesn't work so well, because what if it got put over here and the sperm runs over here? It has to like block the situation. Um, and it's not a physical barrier. It's just a chemical that kills the sperm It dissolves the sperm or it washes away the sperm or it makes it harder for the sperm to get through. Um, the original spermicide, and I think it's still the base for a lot of them, is non-oxal-9, and it's basically a detergent. And so they actually showed, and this is why they stopped putting non-oxal-9 on condoms, but I think it was not that brilliant. 
because they showed in sex workers who were having sex like 20 times a day that the non-oxal nine was breaking down their vagina walls a little bit and that increased the risk of HIV. But I was like, that's for somebody who's having sex 20 times a day. If I'm just doing it once or twice or three times a night, not the same thing. And so I'd much rather have the prevention of the spermicide, that extra added prevention of pregnancy, um, and I don't think there's that risk of HIV as long as you're not having sex 20, 30 times a night. If you're having sex 20, 30 times a night, totally different thing. So um, the way spermicide works is it's a detergent and it like washes away the outer lining of the sperm so it can't get and do what it needs to do. But it's um, gel, it's foam. They have um, this little film that's pretty cool, this clear thing. Like, you know, this dissolve in your mouth film, but not for your mouth and your vagina for, to, prevent the, to prevent the sperm. And so, again, uh, the negative on it is you have to add some every single time you have sex to kill the sperm that runs through. And if the sperm runs through in a way or gets around it, that's how you end up pregnant. So it has like a one in 10 or even greater than one in 10 chance of getting pregnant if you use that alone. But if you use it with condoms, then it decreases your risk of pregnancy much lower, pretty good stuff. So condoms with spermicide, if that's the only thing you can use, but in general condoms plus a hormonal method or the copper IUD is what I recommend in general. Oh. So we're going to um, get into our last question. Um, so does insurance cover birth control um, from your program? Yes. So um, one of the reasons I started this company was a perfect storm of laws. And Obama Biden had just passed the Affordable Care Act, making birth control free for anybody with insurance, aka no copay, no deductible. So if you are paying anything for your birth control and you have insurance, that is generally illegal unless you have a religious employer or Hobby Lobby, which said that they have a religious objection. So that was the beautiful thing, not beautiful thing, sarcasm, that um, Trump put in that you could say you had a religious um uh, just religious clause to not provide birth control for your employees. And my argument against that is that no company is religious. It's not going to heaven or hell. It doesn't go to church. It doesn't have a soul. Certainly the owner of the company, and they can make that decision for themselves. But for a company to push their, quote, religion on you is messed up because a company is not going to heaven or hell, is not taking communion, is not confessional doesn't have a soul. So it can't, in my definition, have a religion. An individual can have religion, but for them to do that. So I, and I do think the Biden administration's pushing back on all those religious exemptions. But assuming you're employed by a non-religious organization and you have insurance, you should not be paying anything for any FDA approved birth control method, unless you're saying, I want a specific, I want the brand when there's generic available. So like, I just love Yasmin and I want to give them money. And when there are all these other genetics, then you pick that. So you're going to have to pay the extra for it. So just know that 90, 95% birth control pills, there's a generic. And then um, if your insurance is not paying for it, which a lot of them not a lot, but like 30%. I know people are being, having pay copays when they shouldn't for birth control. Um, National Women's Law Center. 
It's coverher.org. Um, they're a nonprofit and they'll tell you how to yell at your insurance or they'll also fight for you with your insurance. So they have like a script, they have um, numbers, letters, and you can like, hopefully they're collecting cases and we'll follow class action suit. That's me watching TV shows, hoping that these class action suits actually happen. But I don't know. But it is the National Women's Law Center. So you would think there should be a class action suit going down on this one. So um, for the for the emergency contraception, for the birth control pill, patch, ring, IUD, implant, shot, any FDA approved method, no copay, no deductible, and Pandia Health takes almost all insurances except for the ones that are evil and won't let us bill, in which case we will send your prescription to your local pharmacy and let them deal with your insurance company. But if we can bill your insurance company, we will take your insurance. And so currently we don't take Kaiser, but if anybody has any friends at Kaiser and wants to contract with us, we'd be into that. And then we also have cash options. Know that birth control is really relatively inexpensive. Um, the pack of pills that we were all taught in med school, oddly enough, which is great for a Caucasian female, but not great for Asians or blacks, is seven pack, $7 per pack of pill. And we have that pill, um, 13 pack minimum, because that's just the deal going on there. Um, if you want the good stuff, $15 per pack of pill, three pack minimum cash if your insurance doesn't cover it or you don't have insurance. But I think it's quite reasonable, less than 50 cents a day to prevent unplanned pregnancy, right? Or the cost of going to a movie or something like that. So um, I would hashtag get the good stuff because you want the stuff that's not going to have side effects, not going to have breakthrough bleeding, and it's going to work for you as opposed to the cheapest one. But then you end up with breakthrough bleeding, you're not happy, you're not going to use a method, you're going to end up pregnant. Awesome. Hashtag the good stuff. I like the hashtag. (laughs) One more question to squeeze in. Um, What is, Pandia Health is clearly amazing. What is your goal for this company? Like I personally, who I obviously have no hand in this, but would love to see it just international, like everyone know about this. So what is your goal for this company and how can people obviously help support whether it's like coming to you guys for birth control or anything else that they can do to kind of just get your name out there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I love your faith in me and in this company. And the whole reason I made this was just to make those of us with uterized lives better. Mm -hmm. And we're providing care at a level that no one else provides. And if they provided at this level, I'd step aside. But I need this company for my daughters and I need this company for me. Evidence-based, cutting-edge healthcare by academic people that know their stuff and that are studying it with science and evidence as opposed to just trying to make the most money off of you. Pandia is the Greek goddess of healing, light, full moon. That's why we chose it, women's empowerment. And then Pan is every and Dia is day. So our goal is to be with you every day from your first period throughout your entire life. So starting with birth control, then we're adding on acne, then we're going to do menopause because I'm of menopause age now. So I got to like move over and do the menopause thing. And I need the best treatment for me based on evidence. I will share it with all of you once I know and confirm that this is the best possible treatment out there. And then um, we currently can deliver to all 50 states. So if you currently have a prescription and insurance, just sign up and say, I have a prescription. We'll move it from your pharmacy, bill your insurance. You pay us nothing and you get free shipping and um, some other goodies that we throw down in there. 
But the goal is no one runs out of birth control on our watch. So you get hashtag Pandia peace of mind. And then if you don't have a prescription, we can currently prescribe in 15 states, the big ones, California, Florida, Texas, New York, Nevada. So if you're going to Vegas or if you're going to South by Southwest or either of the Disney's or you're going to New York or whatever, um, we encourage birth control tourism. So we're also in Georgia, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Wyoming, ton of states. But the example is we're not in New Jersey and Connecticut, but who doesn't get into New York once a year from New Jersey and Connecticut? And so as long as you can get into a, a state that we provide, fit one of 15 really big states, cool states, fun states to visit, um, fill out the questionnaire and be like, I'm in New York right now. I'm in Florida right now. I'm visiting my friend in California, Georgia, Pennsylvania right now. And then pay 25 bucks. Then our doctor in that state where it's legal for us to prescribe to you in that state can write the prescription and then we can deliver to all 50 states. And you just got to get back to one of those states once a year um, to take care of that. And we'll expand as we get more money. But there is um, states where that are being difficult. If anybody has a connection in Washington state, they're requiring a phone or video. And our thing is asynchronous. We do it online. We found that if you ask people confidential questions, they're more honest. It's just a question as opposed to a video or audio where you hear us. But also it's just you can access it 24-7 and our doctors can access it 24-7. So if anybody has any pull at Washington Medical Board, tell them back off. No video, no phone, because we've had to cut off Washington State because um, they want that and we don't want to do that. So um, please follow us on all the socials. Please give a shout out that we are the only doctor led and that we have a better algorithm for Asians, blacks, mm -hmm. but anyone who doesn't want to bleed every single month, we know our stuff, get the good stuff, come to Pandia Health, check out our customer reviews. I look at my competitors and I'm like, is that on a scale of three? Cause that is a horrible number. <laughs> like, yeah. We are 4.9 out of five. So anybody doing your research, 4.9 out of 5 on Google reviews. Um, our competitors sneak around it. I'm learning all their sneaky marketing thing, which is hundreds of five-star reviews. And I was like, well, how many one-star reviews must you have that that your average is below three? Yeah. Wow. wow. Well, wow. I, this, I'm shocked as a woman, <laughs> shocked <laughs> as a healthcare provider, I am just grateful, like I said, that this exists. I'm grateful that we were able to have you on and literally answer the questions and all these things that we didn't know, that we thought we knew, and kind of just move on our move on living a healthier mm -hmm. life and making the choices that we know. Like I said, I feel like a lot of um, women were taught to just suffer through periods or birth control, or you're not allowed to be on birth control because then you're going to have sex or birth control doesn't really help with your periods, things like this. So it's just kind of like, if you feel like you're not being heard by your PCP, there are others out there that can help you and help you not just as a patient, but as an individual so definitely, guys, check them out. And is there anything else you wanted to share? Um, follow us on all the socials. Check out pandiahealth.com forward slash periods optional. Share that TEDx talk with anybody who's bleeding every month that might not want to do that. Mm -hmm. It's going to blow their mind. And the example I give is as a tiger Asian mom of a 16-year-old, my daughter is going to crush anyone else out there who's bleeding one week out of four on her SAT, on her mm. robotics competition, on her marching band, on her sport. 
So know that making hashtag periods optional decreases ovarian, endometrial, colorectal cancer, decreases landfill, increases quality of life, and allows people to go to school and work. So Mm -hmm. don't be afraid of it and check out the talk. It gives you the science behind it. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Yan. Thank you so much. Me personally, I want to say thank you for your hard work. It's good to know that there are people out here that are especially looking out for women of color that look like me and Tati and most of our listeners. So that allows us to trust more in the industry and people that are working on birth control. So it's good to know that there are people that are looking out for us and that are trying to make our health better. Thank you both for covering this and not being afraid to talk about um, vaginas and birth control. Yeah, we talk about it. We talk about it all the time. Regardless, right? So might as well inform our listeners at this point with someone who knows what they're talking about. So anytime. Yeah, Yeah, fun fact. Like Tati, we were, Tati and I were roommates and Tati and I are so comfortable that even the first time I've ever used a tampon, Tati was the one that stuck it up for me. Yeah. Like literally, she helped. I was like in the bathroom stall, like Tati, I don't know what I'm doing. She just stuck it up. So we're very comfortable. Yeah. I was kind of her first like patient really so I was like training her (laughs) that is a talk for another day because we absolutely need to increase the number of tampon users and ethnic minorities that's another research that I've done yes because the first time I ever used a tampon I stupidly told my Haitian mother she got so upset (laughs) and I was just like okay never telling you this again got it mental (laughs) note yep but definitely well guys thank you guys for listening to another episode of girlfriend's guide podcast thank you dr yen once again for coming on and sharing all this amazing information definitely like i said this tampon talk may be another episode in the future i hope it is so you guys definitely keep an eye out on that and all of the information that dr yen shared with us all of the resources will be either posted in the youtube video with the links or also in the description of um the episode as well and also on our instagram we'll compile a list do as much as we can to share these resources with you and i hope that you guys enjoyed this episode if you guys have any follow-up questions for Dr. Yen, like I said, we'll have contact information, all of that. If you guys want to ask us questions, have us pass it on to her. We definitely can. And we um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. Bye guys. You guys have a good one. Bye.